This week I'm chatting with author, speaker and consultant Leah Garvin. Leah is the founder and CEO of her own consultancy called Workplace Reframe. And according to her branding, Leah's business helps her corporate clients to build inclusive, accountable and unstoppable teams. Speaking of corporate, Leah has worked for a few corporates, including Google, Microsoft, Bank of America, and Apple. But it's when Leah wrote her own book, her first book called Unstuck, that things really changed. And this helped her clients or prospective clients to understand how she could bring her years of experience in the corporate world to help them. And these days, Leah Leah's business, I should say, provides corporate training and workshops and keynotes on topics such as focusing on fundamentals of effective teams, how to foster inclusive environments, how to build psychological safety, give and receive feedback, and establish healthy team norms. Loads today in this week's value-packed episode. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey! And welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the Training Business Podcast. This is the weekly show for self-employed consultants, trainers, coaches, people like you and me. If you're someone who is interested in learning how to develop their own consultancy, uh, go out as a trainer and get clients, uh, run workshops and make money from it, then this is the show for you. As the name suggests, the focus of this weekly podcast is to focus on the business of you making money from your programs, workshops, courses, books, keynotes, etc. Maybe you have already your own expert business. Maybe you're thinking of leaving a job to start it. But either way, this is the show for you. I'm Mark, by the way. I'm a self-employed trainer, coach, and published author. I work for myself with some wonderful clients. I've been employed, unemployed, and self-employed. And every Thursday, there is an episode of the show to help you wherever you are on this journey of converting what you know, your expertise into an income, into a life. And I'd love you to get more from the show. So please, can you click on the follow button or the subscribe button right now on your podcast platform of choice so you can be notified of great episodes to help your business. This costs absolutely nothing and takes a couple of seconds. Leah, hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, where are you right now? I am in the San Francisco Bay Area, Lovely. Um, California. Yep. Great. So the reason we're talking today is because I've um, wanted you on the show for a, a while now. Um, you are the founder and CEO of The Workplace Reframe. Let's begin with, with basics. How did you get from, let's say, being a, an average person to becoming <laughs> an expert in your area? And, and yeah. the kinds of work that you do nowadays for organizations is quite impactful. So let's go to your, your origin story and, and bring us up to date. Yeah, so quite a, quite a, a long journey, I would say. Um, but um, really, the thread across my work was I worked in team operations and program management, and so my work was really all about digging into the details of you know how to get things done effectively, how to motivate teams, and and you know what were the processes and tools to put in place, what were ways to simplify so that people would be able to you know figure things out, move faster. 
And, um, and, and I think from, from the first role I had in this space, it, it really, um, was clear to me that, you know, you can't just put processes and systems out there. You got to first get the people aligned and, and build relationships and make sure people understand, you know, what's expected of them and, and that you're really engaging the teams you're building solutions for to make sure they really are bought in and, and see what's in it for them. And so this kind of people-first approach to team operations and program management um, was really the theme across all of my work. And um, and as I did this kind of work in, in primarily tech product teams, so I worked in big tech for the last 10 years, yeah. um, I, I started to see, well, actually, there's some things that I can show other kinds of project, program managers and, and operations leaders. Like um, it was, you know, when I would make, simplify processes and, and, and solicit inputs from teams, things would go more smoothly or people had more accountability and, and things just worked better. And so, um, within, uh, Google where I was last at, I would do a lot of coaching and mentoring other teams, um, doing a lot of internal work on how to set up effective team norms, how to, um, how to drive inclusive teams. And it, it was just really clear that this was both a passion of mine and something that I kind of had a secret sauce around by, by really helping people reframe from just jumping right in and saying, okay, here's the process, get on board to really how do you drive adoption and, and doing that through, um, again, really building relationships, making sure people really know what's in it for them. And then most importantly, like simplifying everything as you go. Mm-hmm. So um, as, I, as I did that for um, really my whole career, but really ramped it up um, in the last few years, uh, I found, you know, this isn't something I want to do kind of part-time. It's something I want to do every minute of the day. Like it was my passion. I, you know, all the books I read are about organizational dynamics and team culture and and everything I talk about and write about. So, um, you know, once I had uh, published a book and and got some of my consulting work off the ground, I said, you know, it's really time to just launch it full-time. Okay. So I guess what was the moment where you just said, right, um, I'm going to start Leah Garvin Consulting. I, I've done my bit. I've worked for organizations like Google. Um, I've had that tech background, but now I want to work for myself. Because often for many people, that's a, a kind of a scary moment. Um, we go from working in an environment where the income stream is guaranteed. We've got that check at the end of the month. We've got that career structure. But now something's missing and I feel I need to work for myself, uh, fly my own plane, uh, sail my own ship. What was that spark in that, in that moment where you felt this is the thing I've got to do work for myself. And, uh, Leah Garvin consulting was born. Yeah. So a few things, I mean, I, um, I really wanted to put some of these hypotheses and strategies to, to, to test in other kinds of environments outside of tech, because I think, um, you know, tech gets a lot of, especially big tech, has a lot of focus on things like psychological safety and manager development. There's a lot of like learning and development kinds of resources in, in these environments, but I think not all industries do have that. And so um, I was really interested to 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 broaden this. And so um, I started by just working part time in my in my <laughs> day job so that I could create some space to to do that, or um, you know, doing some consulting. Um, work kind of outside of business hours to really sort of explore this as a, uh, as a kind of a real thing. And, and as I, um, as I did that, I could really see a runway that, Hey, this is working, it's landing. People are excited about it. Um, 
but there was two pivotal moments I would say. Um, I had I wrote the book Unstuck, which um, I had been working on again early morning before work from like five to seven in the morning and you know seven to ten at night. Um, you know, just kind of getting it done in the hours that were available. Um, and and my dream was really once I had the book um, to to ramp kind of into doing this out right. on my own. And so um, my book came out in April. My TEDx talk came out in April. I had a good um, sort of line of sight into the consulting work. Um, and then April passed and May passed and June was starting. And I said to myself, Hey, like <laughs> I didn't do this thing that I had, I had committed to. And, um, it, I started to feel, uh, it was really now or never that the day job, the corporate, you know, the security of the full-time job would always sort of be pulling me to stay. And there's always going to be, you know, fires to put out and urgent priorities. And, and so, um, it was it was more about really it hitting me that um you know i i had to take the leap otherwise it would it would just become something that i wish i had done so okay. um i i launched full time the workplace reframe in in august so it's still you know it, it's it's very new and yeah. and already it's just it's feeling exactly what i want to be doing and and i couldn't be more excited about it so if, if you're rolling out your stall here, why would someone hire you and the Workplace Reframe? Tell us about the kinds of work that you do and the difference that you make to paying clients. Yeah. So, you know, reframing is really about looking at a challenge where where you're stuck and and exploring, well, what other perspectives and possibilities are available? And so um, this is, you know, this is kind of the way that I approach all the work that I do from how do teams navigate feedback from reframing, believing it's just a criticism or something, you know, that like this sort of obligation that we have to do once a year in a performance review to feedback is actually an ongoing conversation that we should be having all of the time. And so I think, you know, taking these concepts where we feel stuck, again, feedback or how do we navigate hybrid and distributed work? How do we um, operationalize inclusion and drive accountability there? Recognizing, well, what are these points in which people get stuck from having done the work and been in the weeds, you know, driving the programs and the processes around it and saying, well, Here's some perspective shifts that that we can deploy to to see all these other outcomes that are possible. But then I work with teams to design really actionable solutions. Like you come out of a workshop with me or, or a training or an offsite, and you have a plan that you can implement that day, the next day, right away. Um, you know, working in operations for so long. Um, I know there has to be a real tactical application or, or people just get lost in the theoretical, right? Take something like inclusion. We we all know it's important. Yes, I care about this. I know I have to do this for my company, but I don't like, I think the number one question you get in that space is tell me what to do and I'll do it. And and I think, you know, just caring about or I want to get better at psychological safety. It's a concept, but I don't know what you mean or vulnerability, right? Like I think there's exactly. these sort of buzzwords that um, we know we care about. We we kind of get it for ourselves, but how do I make that real in a team? So the difference with me is is that um, you always will come away with strategies and tools you can deploy immediately um, that people can run with, so that it's we cover the theoretical and then the practical, so people feel really equipped to to drive whatever change they want in their teams and individually, personally, if it's through my coaching um, or in their organizations. So, have you decided on a particular environment? I guess with the tech background, that's an obvious port of call for your brand. 
would you say that you work in a specific niche or industry, or is there a kind of a preferred client type that where you find you do your best work? I mean, yeah, I, I have the most experience working in tech, so I, I feel like um, that's definitely a place that I've been starting, and especially just recognizing the different kinds of um, sort of context and struggles that teams go through. But I think. I'm really eager to work with any team that's ready to roll up their sleeves in any industry and and to recognize, hey, there's some things we want to get better at. And so, you know, I think I'm not, my goal is not to convince the skeptics that they need to like have things like inclusion and psychological safety. It's really to, to support leaders and organizations that are, are really excited about creating a, a more inclusive, effective, and accountable environment. And then I'm here to say, okay, I'm, I'm here to support you. Let's roll up our sleeves and do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I've done work with um, with banks, with law firms, with uh, design agencies, with with tech. So it's it's really not limited to tech or, or large organizations. Um, but what I do ask of the folks that I work with is, you know, it's not about you know convincing that you should have this. It's about saying, yeah, we know we need something, um, and we want to really work together to to make sure we come out of here with a team that's that's thriving. Okay. Uh, you mentioned quite a few things, and I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile. Uh, you have a cover, cover copy of your book. You've been mentioned in Inc., uh, Fast Company, CNN Business, Harvard Business Review. You've done a TEDx talk. Of those things, which thing was instrumental in, shall we say, flipping the switch, bringing you from, um, let's say, a consultant status to now an expert status where people are aware of what you do and want to hire you? I would say, um, for personally, the, what was most transformational was the TEDx talk. Um, I had, for a number of years in my career, really struggled with public speaking, with feeling confident about kind of going up on a, on a stage and doing that. And I would say all of the work that I did in a personal standpoint to be ready for that and go up there, um, it, it really flipped a switch for me on, you know, knowing that, hey, I can take a risk and I know I can show up for myself and do it. And um, and, and the talk was really successful. It was selected by TED, the TED organization to promote across their channels. And so that was a really exciting moment to, to really validate that, hey, when I... <laughs> Even if it's scary, even if it's you know going to be a huge learning curve, I can I can get there. Um, I would say the book had a real transformational moment for me on the um, really establishing me as a, a workplace expert and a and a, um, a person to really you know help transform people both individually and at the team level. And so that's led to a lot of the. Um, you know, rep- like the media representation and things like that. So that's been really exciting. Right. So let's come to your tips today. And again, these are focused on your experience and they're aimed at people listening who think, how on earth do I learn from someone like Leah so I can um, improve my appeal to my clients? And you've got three wonderful tips. One is to share your story and uh, sharing your story is always key when getting your message out there. Secondly, always be adding value. And thirdly, value your own time. So let's start with the first one. Share your story. What does that mean to you and why? Yeah. Yeah. So just as you asked me to, you know, share the journey and and really what makes you unique, I think we we really always want to be doing that because this is a crowded space and it can feel like, especially if you're making the decision, like, okay, should I launch this as a side hustle or as a full-time business or even pursue this kind of work at all? I think it can quickly sort of 
our inner critic can quickly tell us like, oh, you have nothing to offer, nothing unique, and we can really get in our own heads. And so really being clear on, you know, what is your story? What is that through line across your work? Um, and, and, and to have that be part of your brand and to be able to tell that in a really, you know, <laughs> sort of concise, compelling way. Um, you know, I'll tell you, uh, you a while like it, it was for a long, long time in my career, I felt like, you know, I, I've worked in this kind of random thing. Now I'm over here and I'm over here. I, I don't, it felt like, well, what's the story? I don't, and I had, I, I kind of felt like, well, how do I explain this to someone? And then it, it hit me that the through line was this really people-centered approach to helping people get things done effectively, feel supported in the workplace. And then everything was clear. And every single move I made was absolutely clear and, and was a part of the story. So I think if we don't do that work to like look at the map of our, you know, career and and say, well, what is the through line? What are the things that I've been most excited about? What's the theme here? Um, it can be hard to articulate it to others. And then it can be really hard to, you know, explain that to organizations. So as you say in in the kind of um the tips you shared with me, make it clear what you're about and why you are the right person to work with this team organization to solve this problem. I think that's a fantastic distillation. Number two is to always be adding value. And I guess when you are a consultant, it's easy to turn up and and speak about things, but how do you know you're actually making a difference? What do you mean by adding value in this context? Yeah. So, I mean, and and this, I think is a really uh, important tip for kind of any kind of marketing we're doing. It's, it's to really make it clear that you are there for them, not for yourself. And, and this was something I heard a lot about. Um, I think Simon Sinek talks about it with public speaking about being a giver, you know, you're there to put something out there, not to get an applause or likes, um, but you're there to, to add value to the people that you're working with. So, um, you know, for example, if, let's say someone reaches out to you to do a training or workshop and, you know, the budget doesn't align and you, um, you don't end up moving forward saying, well, Hey, here's a, here's a tip sheet I have for running something on your own. You know what I mean? Like kind of be putting value out there so that people see you're not just about like closing a deal and moving on, or they're not just a transaction, but it's some way that we can be building ongoing relationships. So, um, you know, I, I have a YouTube channel. I, I put a lot of, you know, tips and strategies. I have a newsletter on LinkedIn, um, the workplace reframe unfiltered so that I can be giving people, you know, uh, value as I go, whether or not they're, they're working with me. Tell me a bit, a bit more about, uh, the work, uh, frame unfiltered newsletter on LinkedIn, because you're the second person who's mentioned this, uh, idea or facility of a LinkedIn newsletter. What exactly is it? And what does it do for your business? Yeah. So, I mean, I've just started it. I've, I've done two editions so far. And I think the nice thing about it is it's a it's a place to offer a long form, you know, insights into how you think about a certain topic. So um, the two that I've done so far was first it was about accountability on teams, which is one of the things that I think is the most important to, to reframe our perception of accountability um, from blame and punishment to ownership. And it gives you an opportunity to really share a perspective in in um and and do that on a regular basis. So I mm-hmm. think having a newsletter allows you to put some self-accountability in the process that you're kind of going to, you know, do something on a regular cadence. It helps your audience know what to expect and really gives them an insight into getting to know you a little bit more and, and how you look at certain topics. So I think it can help build both your audience and people also kind of start to see what, what your unique perspectives are. Can anyone have a, a LinkedIn newsletter? Is that facility available to... Um, everyone on LinkedIn? 
I think if you have your profile in creator mode, then yes. Okay. And so I, I'm pretty sure. Um, okay. Now anybody can write an article. So if right. you're if you're not wanting to be in creator mode, you could essentially publish an article at a regular uh, cadence, but you wouldn't have um, like a subscriber set that the newsletter we pushed out to. Gotcha. Your third tip then is to value your own time. And I think that's incredibly important if you are earning your crust off your own sweat. In other words, yeah. if you're a self-employed consultant, you're doing this, you're doing admin marketing, et cetera. Um, you're giving away tips, content, et cetera. Tell me about your idea of valuing your own time if you are uh, a self-employed person running your own consulting slash training business. Yeah, and I think this is the tr- this is uh, something I've heard talked a lot about. Really, in any kind of self-employed. So, if you're a designer, or you know, if you're a you know solo practice lawyer, or you know a consultant, whatever it is to um, you know to find the balance between you can be adding value and sharing you know a little bit of tips and resources. But I think the core business that you're doing, like let's say it's workshops or coaching sessions, um, to to I think when you when you give that away for free, essentially, sometimes the other person on the receiving end doesn't value it. Like they end up rescheduling it or they ask for way more than you ever thought you would have agreed to. And so I think remembering, um, you know, when when we have when we're hosting something for free, that's time that the other person that's at work, they're getting paid while they're watching you <laughs> like do your thing. That's true. You're not, right? <laughs> and so um to to remember that um you want to be, you know, generous with your knowledge, but judicious with your time because um you it can become a slippery slope and you can start to feel like, well, why would the person come back and, and pay for something when they already got the gist of all of it, you know, in this free thing. So I think if you're doing some free content, uh, maybe previews to things as a business development strategy. Yeah, totally makes sense. But to have a habit of saying, oh, you know, I, I coach a lot of people free. I'm just trying to, um, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable charging people. I think that's the thing to figure out. Like, why are you giving it away for free? Is it some something you, you want to work through around building confidence, charging money for it? Is it a real business strategy you have? Um, if it is a business strategy, maybe look at, is it more of a teaser or preview sort of way you could position it? Um, but it can, I think it can become a real tough thing to sort of get out from under if you've been giving away a significant uh, portion of your work for free to then like later go back and say, um, well, I would have charged this. So next time, can you pay that? They're like, no, <laughs> no, we already got this for free. So it, it's- Has that happened stuff. to you? Um, I, I would say early in my coaching, I, I wrestled a lot with, okay, how much should I charge? And, and you know, I wanted, I coached a lot of people- um, uh, within internally my company. So you, you, you don't charge in that case. So I got to get a lot of work under my belt where I didn't even have to talk about <laughs> charging, but, um, I've seen it happen a lot with, um, not only consulting work, but like, um, you know, with my husband's a designer, I've had friends or different people reach out and say, Hey, can you make this logo or something for me? You know, if you, if you reached out to a branding agency, they'd charge you like 20 or $50,000 for a logo or something, right? Like, so do for free is a little bit, or my sister has a solo law firm practice, you know, I mean, that's so to, to be giving legal advice that that's time away from, from our clients. Right. So I think really any kind of business we have where, 
um, again, sharing knowledge and value, but also, but I would say not necessarily giving away your core services because um, it can create, you know, it, it takes you away from being able to serve your community the way that you want to. What is next then for the workplace reframe? Yeah. So um, again, di- doing a lot of workshops and, and content and offsites for, for organizations. Uh, one of the main focuses with that is, as I mentioned, helping teams reframe accountability into ownership and how that that creates um, really proactive team members, engaged team members, motivated because we feel like, hey, this is on us and we can take on um, whatever we're faced with. So um, that's one big area. I'm also launching um, some live courses through the Maven platform. So uh, coming up next month in September or in September, whenever this airs, <laughs> um, I'm launching the Unstuck Career Accelerator, which is a live course um, diving into some of the concepts of my book and how to accelerate our careers. Um, and I'll also be launching in the future um, a live course for teams and organizations, um, how to build unstoppable teams, how to drive effectiveness, inclusion, and accountability across our teams. You mentioned Maven um, briefly. Let me just ask yeah. you about that for people who may not know what that is. So Maven is a platform that you can use to teach a live course. So the goal with it is it's a live cohort-based course um, where you know you're on Zoom, real time. People can engage with you, ask questions, you share practices, resources. So um, what's really nice is you get an opportunity to meet your students, have really hands-on time with them. Really, um, I would say you know a lot of bang for your buck for students because folks can they get to meet with you live. So I think. Um, as opposed to webinars where you may have, you know, many series of those, you can have like a boot camp or um, a masterclass or something where you really um, get into the details of our different content. So um, I've done LinkedIn learning courses, which are more webinar type. And so I'm really excited to try out um, this format to, to be able to meet my students hands-on. It's exploring concepts of my book. So to really see, well, how are those concepts landing when people are putting them into practice um, and, and go beyond with that. And finally then, Leah, where can people find out more about you? Where would you like me to direct people? Which links come to mind? Yeah. So first and foremost, my website, leahgarvin.com. So there you can learn about um, my consulting work, my coaching work, the book Unstuck, um, and my the course coming up soon. Also reach out on LinkedIn. Um, do a lot of work there. Feel free to <laughs> message me directly or, or connect. On uh, YouTube, I mentioned my channel, um, Reframe with Leah. I share a lot of tips and tools and strategies for teams and individuals uh, working to get unstuck, um, as well as Instagram at leah.garvin. Wonderful. Uh, Leah, thank you so much for being my guest today on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Huge thanks to Leah for being my guest today on the show. And thanks to you for listening. If you have a question or a suggestion, please email me via mark at trainingbusiness.com. Sam, Joe, James, Turul, and I appreciate your loyalty. This is the team that makes this podcast possible. And we'd love you to click on the follow button or the subscribe button to be notified of great episodes. This costs nothing, takes a couple of seconds, but means so much to me and the team. You'll find all episodes past, present and future on your podcast platform of choice, whether it's Stitcher, Apple, Spotify or something else. And you'll also find those over at trainingbusiness.com. There is a fresh episode of the podcast next Thursday. Until then, see you. Take care. Bye for now. Thanks 
once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.